Well, that, that's one thing about hunting deer, deer on Kodiak that, that everybody will ask when they're looking for a hunt there is they ask about the bears. So the bear's going to bother me. And most of the time they don't, except for we tell people, and we pick people up at the end of the day, and we say, do whatever you can do to get that deer out, because if you leave it up there, I tell people they got about a 50-50 chance. Well, that's the thing about my wife's cooking up there. The only complaint she's ever had is she, she cooks too much. Because everybody, every, half the people that come by the booth say that, say that uh, they gained, they're a little upset because they gained 10 pounds when they were up there. So we all grew up hunting and fishing. She's been encouraged to get her own online show. She's got a show called Crimson Trail on, on YouTube. And so I'm really happy for her. She, she's got a huge future in singing, and she wants to be able to grow them together with the industry to show people that she can put a pretty dress on and sing songs and win awards in L.A. like she's done, but also go out and get a... Like she shot a moose two years ago, and she wouldn't let anybody cut that moose up but her. She shot a, she shot a bear in May. She had to skin that bear. So, I mean, she's the real deal. Welcome to the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. 
We are here at day two at the Western Hunting Expo and uh, excited to be here in Salt Lake City uh, 2019 uh, and uh, Valentine's weekend, right? So we're away from all the sweeties, but we're here uh, at Kodiak Charters, uh, which is the uh, one of the uh, elite Kodiak Alaska charters uh, in in Kodiak Island, Alaska. And I'm um, here joined uh, with Jason Quick from the NRA, my good buddy, neighbor, and Woo-hoo. soon to be not neighbor, but uh, still my neighbor, Jason. I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of your neighbors. I'm trying to move to Prescott. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Yeah, we're here with uh, Randy, and Terry is is refusing to put a headset on, so we're, we'll heckle her a little bit while we're doing this. But just so everybody knows that uh, Randy is a transporter on Kodiak Island, and uh, let me tell you, I've, I went up, geez, I think it was 18, 19 years ago for my first experience on Kodiak Island with Randy and Terry. And uh, now their daughter has her own outfit, and Crimson has been yep. on, on the, the show in the past. So, Randy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. So, Randy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and how this all developed into what you have going today. Well, I was born and raised in Kodak, Alaska. Um, I was raised by my dad the same way he was raised. We, we learned to hunt and shoot guns probably earlier than we should have. <laughs> I, I, my first memory of shooting a gun, I think I was seven. Uh, my kids grew up shooting chipmunks when they were like three or four years old. One kind of, one kind of a funny story was, because I guess I'm an old timer. I've been hunting. How many, how, many year, how many years has Kodiak Charter been going? About 30 years. About 30 years. Wow. About 30 years. There's one kind of funny story. I would, I took my son out rabbit hunting when he was four years old. Yeah. And we went out and went rabbit hunting with his little chipmunk 22, and he shot a couple rabbits. And my wife kept saying, you got to have him back here for Halloween because he's going to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> so we, we took too long out the road to go hunting. We came back in the dark. So when I come home, my wife's mad. She's like, I told you, we got to have him back here by dark for Halloween. So we'll just take him where he is right now then. He's a hunter. He's got a rabbit. And she's like, you can't take him out the Halloween. I said, you know, we're, they, we're, they tease us we're like the Griswolds. We do all kinds of shit that other people don't do. <laughs> so he said, we'll take him where we are right now. She goes, you can't do that. I said, let's just do it. So when the first house we go to is my sister's house. <laughs> and here's my son sitting there. He's got camel camel hat on, a little chipmunk. He's got his dead rabbit, you know. So, I mean, trick or treat is costumes. So to me, that wasn't that far out of the realm. Sure. <laughs> so my sister's going, oh, that's so cute. She gives him candy and she looks at him. She goes, that's not a real rabbit, is it? I go, I go, yeah, it is. He goes, Randy, how could you, how could you take your son a real rabbit? I said, well, you know, it's Halloween. <laughs> so anyway, she got a kick out of that one. So, so anyway, that's basically describes how young I started my kids hunting, and and basically, like my daughter, she won the big buck contest when she was 10 years old. Again, when she was what 13, 14. So we all grew up hunting and fishing. She's been encouraged to get her own online show. She's got a show called Crimson Trail on, on YouTube. And so I'm really happy for her. She, she's got a huge future in singing, and she wants to be able to grow them together with the industry to show people that she can put a pretty dress on and sing songs and win awards in L.A. like she's done, but also go out and get a... Like she shot a moose two years ago, and she wouldn't let anybody cut that moose up but her. Wow. She, shot, she shot a bear in May. She had to skin that bear. So, I mean, she's the real deal. She, yeah. That's fantastic. So now you you primarily do fishing and blacktail deer yep. and ducks. Yep. And now I saw you said caribou. Well, basically, uh, I used to, uh, 
I used to to uh, commercial fish like Deadliest Catch. In fact, some of the crew members in Deadliest Catch used to work for me years ago. And I, we, we uh, so I used to do hunts kind of part time until about 20 some years ago, something like that. We we kind of built our family operation around our whole family. And so we've kind of just grown it that way. So I still partially, like I crab fished last summer, and I'm going to crab fish again this summer, so I still do that. But my wife, they run the operation for fishing throughout the summer where we do halibut salmon, and then the hunting season is October, November, December. So okay. I kind of go back and forth now. But my daughter is kind of branching off. She has Codex Safari. So now she has an online show. And she really, really enjoys doing things for kids. She's got a thing called Crimson for, for kids, and she likes bringing, you know, you know, starting kids off very young because i mean once you start them off and you get them going like my son's got two kids um the lady married had two kids and two of them took off and one of them didn't which is fine but you know once you introduce them to it it's exciting to see how young they can start off doing stuff like that well it's a lifestyle right i mean when yeah. you're born and raised in that it becomes a lifestyle it's what you do eating the meat eating the fish i mean oh, that's yeah. what you you know that's, that's well, one if you <clears throat> my daughter was asked last year maybe on this podcast she was saying what was the, the, the most difficult hunter, the most experienced hunt. And I'll tell you a story. The first year they allowed mountain goats to be killed on Kodak was, was when I was 10 years old. And a lot of half the town drew for it. And I got picked to shoot a mountain goat when I was 10. I shot the very first mountain goat at 10 years old. Well, then I had to, of course, when my son turned 10, I wanted him to shoot one with the, uh, with the same 243 that I shot mine with. So, of course, when my daughter turned 10, she had to do the same thing. And that's where I, probably my first bad experience with hunting with all the years I've hunted was is we got a little too carried away. We went too far back. We're with a 10-year-old. <laughs> that girl went four days in by, by, we're talking walking, staying in the tent to shoot her mountain goat at 10 years old. So she got a goat at 10 years old, but we almost didn't, <laughs> we almost didn't make wow. it back out there. If I wouldn't have my two boys with me, I'm not sure we would have made it back. I'd probably still be up there because I was I, just completely spent. I was going to say, if you would have left her, I know that Terry would have uh, left you there. Well, my, <laughs> no pun intended. We had an adopted son. He was 18. My son was 18. And we were trying to get back out of there because we were too far. Because I was trying to, you know, I was trying to, it was meant a lot to me to get her one with the same gun with the same age. But we were we were way too far back in there. But it, it worked out okay. But I remember going back. I kept looking at my sons going, could you take a little bit more of my pack with you? And they kept saying, I'm going, Dad, how much are you going to give me? I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you don't think somebody pack, you're going to be packing me pretty soon. <laughs> uh, you know, and my poor Stephanie, she's only 10 years old. So sure. she not only shot a mountain goat at 10 years old, she she went on a, on a hell of a hunt to be able to do it. So, And then she won the big buck contest that year, too, which was which was kind of awesome. So, yeah, she started off pretty young. So hunting is a big thing in our family. Sure. Well, Randy, I, 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 you know, it's funny. We, we've known each other for 20 years. Oh, yeah. Plus years. In fact, yeah. it was a couple of years until I actually came up and went hunting oh, yeah. with you because I was involved with the mule deer. Mule deer. And yeah. that's where we first met. I was selling advertising and booths and stuff like that. Yeah. And I still remember when you invited me up and then Jim Sessions, my friend at Best of the West, uh, Huskama Optics came with. And this was even before Best of the West or Huskama Optics even existed. And we, we came up to film. And we did all kinds of fun stuff. In fact, you showed us some really fun clips from oh, yeah. back in the day. But I still remember you pulling us pulling crab pots, 
and sitting around a table. And I, man, I'm telling you, when you have 30 crabs, I was trying my best at that young age to try to see if I could eat as much crab as I possibly could. Oh, yeah. I gained a little bit of weight on that trip with you. Well, that's the thing about my wife's cooking. The only complaint she's ever had is she, she cooks too much. Because <laughs> everybody, every, half the people that come by the booth say that, say that uh, they gained, they're a little upset because they gained 10 pounds when they were up there. Well, so, and, that's, and that's really the fun thing, too. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it. So, Randy, maybe talk a little bit about some of your accommodations, what you provide if a new hunter was to come and hunt with you. Is it, is it specifically hunting out of well, a lodge? Basic, is it hunting off a boat? Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of people here, like in Kodiak, they see these boat hunts, and they think that's the best way to hunt, and I guess you've been on one, which is true. But as many years as I've been there, I've kind of found a way to be able to do both. We found a really remote part of the island where we have a couple lodges and so we go out by boat during the day but then you come back to lodge at night because as you know those boats even if they're bigger boats they can get kind of small after five sure. days you yeah. got you got a bunch of stinky hunters yeah. on there and eating cereals for breakfast trying to and hang all your clothes up and yeah. trying to dry everything off so basically we have uh you know a decent sized boats that we can go out during the day to go to different spots during the day but you can come back in a lodge at night so, and then we also combine it with other things like sea ducks, and there's fox, and we can uh, go halibut fishing, and pull crab pots is a huge, huge favorite. And a lot, yeah, very few outfitters take advantage of that. Not, there's not crab on everywhere in Kodiak, but that's a huge, huge favorite. Yeah, well. we did we did crab. We set pots and had crab. We had crab dinner. We had crab Louis days in the morning, and oh, yeah. yeah, it was excellent. There's nothing better than fresh crab. If, if you've eaten crab in the, and it's not the same as you eat in like a casino because it's been frozen, once it's frozen, it's not the same as fresh. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a that. huge. We've had people that, no matter how good the hunting and fishing was, that was probably the highlight of their trip was that pulling, dumping those crab pots, pulling them. Yeah, and it, now, now, Randy, as a transporter, basically what your specialty is, you've got a place for people to stay. Right. You, you take them out in the morning, safely take them from one location to another, drop them off, make an arranged time for them to make a day hunt, and right. then come back, and then you pick them up and bring them back to the, to the lodge, correct? Right, right. So, right. Well, a question I get asked a lot is people ask me, with all the years that I've lived there, they ask, they, they, a lot of times I'm asked, why, why, haven't I ever been a certified guide? And the, and the answer is real simple. Is it just too much work from what I can see? I mean, we, we do unguide hunts where we drop people off. They usually see plenty of deer, get plenty of deer, and we have a lot of happy hunters. I've never really been interested in being a guide. To me, sometimes there's a thin line between being a guide and babysitting, so I've never really been interested. But people ask, yeah. Yeah. say, if you've hunted them for 50 years, how can we have been a guide? And quite frankly, I just don't have the personality for it anyway. That's a special kind of person that can spend all day. It's like my wife, you know, I tell, you know, we're like the head of the family operation. I tell her she's my other half, but I think it's more like uh, I'm like one quarter. <laughs> well, I know Terry wouldn't get on this with us, so we'll talk about her since she's sitting over there ignoring us. Right. But the reality is that she does keep you in order. Well, yeah, but she's the personality of the operation. That's what I say. She's more she's like the glue. It's more like 75-25. And, folks, she's smiling, so we're doing a good job on the buttering up side of things. Well, yeah, when anytime somebody makes a compliment about staying with us, I never hear my name mentioned much. I only hear hers. Well, no, that's not completely true. I mean, I, I, I get along with some people really good, and then other people I just step away and let somebody else take care of it. But sure. Well, and, and once again, the fun part about Kodiak Island is it's so diverse. I mean, it is crazy to think that you can take somebody out and go halibut fishing, and then the oh, next yeah. day you could run over and shoot a black-tailed deer. Oh, yeah. deer. And then the day after that, you could set up some decoys and shoot some ducks. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, 
it's just mind-blowing, really. And yeah. and I told Lucas, you know, he went on this last experience, and, and he had a fantastic time. And I told him before, because I was like, man, I, well, I went with Randy, and I'm like, geez, there's just so much to do. There's just not enough time to do it all. And I'm really surprised that more outfitters over the years haven't caught on, because like crab pots, for instance. I mean, we've had guys that that was, like last year, for instance, these guys shot some really nice bucks, and they said, would we have time to pull the crab pots? They said, yeah. So we went out and pulled the crab pots. In fact, that's that picture right there, actually. Oh, all that's of them in the group there. Cool and they got back that night, and all they talked about was the crab. You know, there was nothing mentioned about the, there was nothing mentioned about the, uh, about the really nice bucks they shot that day. It was all about and the crab. There's some great deer in that picture too. So, oh yeah, yeah. They, really each nice each one of those guys shot a deer that day, and then they caught the crab. So, you know, it's amazing. You know, when you, what makes it nice too is let's say the weather's kind of crappy for a day or so. By having other things to do, it fills in. Like a guy can go duck hunting or go fishing and do other things, so it's a big asset. It's always amazed me why more of them don't do it, because my philosophy has always been, if you have them there, why wouldn't you take advantage of doing it? Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is what I point out to everybody. Okay, we're most of the people, especially at this show, they're hunters. They're doing most of the things all themselves, okay? So right. here's your flyer that you have, and I'll just go over this with people. The show special, for only $2,850, how many days does that count for? That's a five-day, five-night excursion, right? right? Yep. So then you have to buy your tags, license, and get yourself up there. But on your photos, it tells it all, right? Oh, yeah. You could get crab. Yeah. There's there's halibut. Looks like you could add on a fishing onto that. Right. There's a guy that shot out of shot. This guy actually got a fox. Lucas, I shot at a fox. But that's, that's a silver that's a, tip silver tip fox. That's a too. long story. We won't get into that because everybody will pick on me for missing. I missed one just like that with my bow at about 55 yards. And then they're right hol- the harlequins and the black-tailed deer. I mean, where can you go and have for five days that yeah. many different experiences? That diversity of wildlife and fishing, too. And it's just, yeah. it's really, really fun. <laughs> So, and yeah, I'm you, assuming... You know, here's the thing, too, is you never... Here, here's what we've experienced over the years, too. You never know what makes a person... You know, I can tell everybody, I've never hunted whitetails in, Can- in Kansas, but I imagine if somebody did, what do you do when you're done? Where, see, up here, there's always something else to do. I sure. mean, between fox and sea ducks and the, the fishing. fishing and whatever. And mm-hmm. here's the deal. We've had people that got up there that, that they were so excited about fishing halibut, they come back the next summer to go halibut fishing. So, a lot of people don't realize till they get there, but you'd be, we're, you'd be amazed that somebody will shoot a really nice deer but be more excited about the ducks or the fish than they do where the deer. Yeah. Yeah. So by having more things on the menu, so to speak, it definitely is a bigger, it's definitely a bigger asset for, for sure. And, I mean, the price point is, is really, really reasonable, too. I well, mean, and that, I can talk to that, too. We have, there's several other lodges in where we're at that do the same thing that charge a lot more, and I can tell you the difference is, is because they cater more to you know, the higher income where they have a jacuzzi, they serve wine with your dinner. We're more of a just family operation to just Meat deal and with potatoes. Them. Yeah. Meat I mean, and potatoes. That's why we do good here in Utah because a lot of people here like to hunt, but there are families where they don't they don't want yeah. the big exotic hunts. They don't need all that. And so that's why we always do very well here. People people here, you know, usually this booth is full all day, all every day with people that have been with us before that just like to talk about their trip. So, well, Randy, I understand with the caribou, was it years ago? Someone had caribou, and then they ended up getting loose from their property, and they ended up... From what I understand, no, it, it was way back in the 30s and 40s. Okay. They, they transplanted they on Kodiak. They introduced them there? Okay. They introduced them there, yeah, and then they just... Okay. They, 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 I think they tried to... Uh, 
they they had them pinned when they first got there for some purpose in some in the village in the south end and then i don't know if they were turned loose or they just uh or they did or they planned there on purpose but they uh they've just flourished ever since yeah. in fact you know the, the mountain goats were were, were planted back in the 40s uh, they tried sheep that they didn't take they tried moose they didn't take mainly because they didn't transplant enough of them there mm -hmm. but you know the goats have taken off big time I mean, oh my you're, gosh, you're not yeah. allowed two of them there's lots yeah, the of goats, goats in Kodiak. When we were flying from Kodiak to Larson Bay, we were flying right at about that level where when you were cutting in through some of those divides, you could see the goats right off the side of the, yeah. the mountain. It was pretty incredible. They figured the one that I shot was an old nanny. They figured she was probably one of the first offsprings when they were transplanted there back in the 50s. Because wow. I shot mine in 68. And they figured she was about 17 or 18 years old. Wow. So, yeah. That's it was, incredible. Yeah. So, like I said, I uh, I saved that gun. They shot theirs with the same age. So, I just, you know, and back then, you know, back then I, I just did it just because that's where I grew up. But I think it's an advantage for her now with her show because a lot of the girls will do the same thing she does. A lot of them have just got into it recently where my daughter's been doing it since she could walk, basically. Yeah. She's been fishing. She won the Silver Salmon Derby when she was eight with a fly that she tied. One of our clients taught her how to tie flies. Hmm. So she's been doing this for, for many years. So I'm really excited for her because she can actually benefit all this documentation I did over the years end up paying off. At the time, I didn't do it. Like, I filmed her shooting her first deer at six, seven, eight. Hans was actually with us a lot of those hunts, too, yeah, actually. Yeah, If you look at her tribute on, if you go to uh, her YouTube channel, she did a tribute where she shows that footage where he was actually filming me go up on the hill all those different years. I didn't realize how many years he was actually with us when she did that stuff. And that's Crimson's Trail, right? Yeah, Crimson Trail. This Crimson's with a K. Um, she, she did that. She started that several years ago for her music because that fit her music and obviously she's got red hair so that made sense so when she got a show and she wants to follow the main thing about her show she wants to emphasize too is is the lifestyle she hears a lot of people talk about how people hunt for trophies and she's proud to show that how she you know she has a slogan on, on a lot of her stuff that says i shoot it i clean it i cook it i eat it yeah. She wants to show people this is not a, even her bear. A lot of people don't eat bear, but she brought her bear meat out to show that she eats it. So. Well, and that's kind of the silly thing today, and, and Lucas and I have had debates about this. You know, I, I've been labeled a trophy hunter, right. and I'm like, okay, well, I'm a little older than most people. Right. Most of the people you see running around here, you know, they haven't been here like you and I for 20-plus right. years. When I was when I was first starting out, I was not necessarily a trophy hunter. I was oh, just yeah. the guy that wanted to hunt. Right. But then when I f killed my first big animal, and I had to work four times longer in order to do that t oh, yeah. accomplishment, it changed the way I like to hunt. And now it's a challenge for me, and I like to spend the time in the outdoors longer. Right. And and I tell most people that tell me, well, I don't believe in trophy hunting. I'm like, well, you're 20. Right. You're not there yet. Well, if you're allowed, and, if, yeah, if you're allowed to shoot a deer and you you shoot deer because it's something you put in the freezer for the winter time, there's nothing wrong with shooting the biggest one you see. There's nothing. Yeah, you know, and that doesn't mean you're you're just out with the, with the, exactly just a it. trophy. It's yeah. about it's you know. Would you rather take a mature animal that's had years to, to procreate into a point yeah. maybe where he's on his downturn, or you want to shoot something that's two years old that hasn't had that ability? And and that's how they label trophy hunting is shooting. Yeah, the well, they big don't. Animal, yeah, they don't understand people that hunt. It's the main thing that people are uneducated on. People that hunt care. 
more about the that resource yes. and the people that don't. Bingo. Absolutely. Because here's here's what's really hit a nerve with me with my daughter. This is what's been very very difficult. Is she gets these hate mail, and that's pretty hard when your dad Hot, reads, yep. reads her Instagram where they're threatening her life, saying, "How would you like it if we get a gun and, sh- and hunt you down?" That's yeah. not Welcome easy. Welcome to my NRA world, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, that happened about a week ago. They a bunch of them got together and they jumped on her, and she woke up at eight o'clock in the morning with hundreds of death threats on all her pages. So I tried to encourage her to say, "Look, you know, you know, you will be fine." She's like, "Well, what?" Ha-? They're tr- they were trying to take her page down. So she asked her dad, "You know, I've never been through something like you know. I'm not social media savvy." And I said, "Well, first of all, you have eighteen thousand followers that follow you every day. If they do take you down, they're not going to know where you went." I said, but you know, but I, she, at 21 years old, she doesn't understand that you're a family, you're hunters. Yeah. They will support you. Yeah. Yep. So what I asked her to do, and it worked out. I'm really excited how this works. Is say, just go on your page, and just write in the letters and say, look, I've been attacked by a bunch of, uh, you know, anti-hunters, and they're going to try to take my page down. So if I'm, if you don't see me anymore, you'll know where my page went. And that's not asking for help. And I knew what would happen. I was praying that this would happen. She had hundreds and hundreds of people commenting saying, they better not dare take your page down. They'll have to take mine down. Yep. And so they went on there and they discovered that most of that hate mail was all overseas. There was, there was yep. other countries that were saying, why are you shooting bears? They're instinct. And there were people that were uneducated. They weren't That's the problem, is most people don't understand or are so uneducated and it's that like i say it's that 10 percent. you're never ever going to change that 10 percent, right of yeah. people there's always going to be haters and i get a lot of that that mail too he's he's and in the, the same thing boat. is, is a lot of it is, is it's it's in chinese or it's in you know it's in, i know i mean you can't I, even understand it so it, it yeah, yeah i looked up a couple they were from turkey they were like for instance they another thing i like about bears and here's this goes to conservation there's more bears being killed every year in kodak there's more permits every year and there's more bears every year now let me tell you why because those big boars they kill they kill the sows and they'll kill the cubs mm-hmm. so when you target when you're targeting those big boars like all your hunters are doing you're killing those big boars that are killing and you've watched we watched the population in kodiak grow and grow and grow and every so people are saying well if you're giving out more permits and more bears are being killed why is there more bears and that's pretty simple like she did a hunt in may this year and we were seeing 30 40 bears a day and the majority of those were sow and cubs. I mean, wow. that area had been known for boars for years, and after so many people targeting them. So, I mean, it's actually good for the population because they're, you know, there's yeah. more more boars killed by, uh, or there's more bears there's killed more by bears. boars than, than the hunters are. But people, you know, she, she posted on her site this summer, there was a bear got in the back of somebody's truck right in the middle of Kodiak. Oh, well, was, I, I still remember. that becomes a problem, too. I still remember you taking us, taking us around and going, okay, guys, do not. Don't go out after dark just just for security purposes. But we've had a bear running around here, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah. oh whatever, whatever, whatever. And then we go out, and here's a freaking pie plate sized track, and I'm like, holy oh, yeah. cow, that get, that gets your attention when oh, you yeah. put your boot down and your boot fits inside a bear track, you know? Well, he's yeah. got a, a guy just shot one. They broke into his house three times this last year. He shot one right out the window of his bedroom. A bear had been breaking into his house like three different times. It was funny. It was right in Larson Bay this last spring, and she posted this on her site. But it hit two different neighbors' house, and one, this one guy down there says, well, I'm going to get that bear for you. I'm going to come stay at your house, and I'll stay there on the porch till that bear comes in the middle of the night. And what happened that night is it went to his house, <laughs> went oh to his house and got him. That's well, his son had shot a bear that, that or deer that day. It was hanging there. He goes, well, I'm sure it will come back. And... So he shot a deer right out of his front, right out of his bedroom window. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, 
reality in the village is, you know, you never know. You Like when she goes from place to place cooking for clients at night, you have to be careful because you never know when you're going to walk around the corner and see a bear. There's yeah. dogs in the village that usually scare them off, but they don't get all of them. I mean, you could literally walk into one. Yeah, We've and almost they become domesticated when they get close to town, and if there's food left out and other things, they're, they're going to find that. Well, yeah. in that one time we went down to the dump, and you're like, watch this. We threw all the, the carcasses out that yeah. we had deboned, oh, yeah. and we pulled away from it. And, I mean, we didn't drive 40 feet. I mean, we were still moving in the vehicle, yeah. and all of a sudden it was like there was a bear, and it was on it. And I still remember... You go, watch this bear. And he walked over and he grabbed the neck and shoulder. And he just did one little, it didn't even look like he tried. Oh, and yeah. it split it in half. And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. look at the power of Incredible. that animal. Well, after oh, yeah. my brother shot his deer, we went back, took it back to the transport, came back up on the mountain, and we saw a bear literally cover probably two and a half miles in about five minutes through all that oh, yeah. thick alder and all that stuff and he went right to that gut pile it was crazy because he just had his nose in the air and he knew right where to go well that that's one thing about hunting deer deer on kodiak that that everybody will ask when they're looking for a hunt there is they ask about the bears so sure. the bear is going to bother me and most of the time they don't except for we tell people and we pick people up at the end of the day and we say do whatever you can do to get that deer out because if you leave it up there I tell They're people they got it. about a 50-50 chance. If Miss you have to leave it and come back the yeah. next day, about a 50-50 chance? There's about 50-50. And this one guy last year, or last year had, he left two deer on the hill. And he goes, what's my odds? And I go, 50-50. And it was just about right because one deer was there and one wasn't. Yeah. One wasn't. Well, it, in, this, in, in the way I understand it from Alaska is it's not your property till it's actually on the boat. So if the bear's on it. Right. It's theirs, right? I mean, it's not your deer. Well, so. I don't know any man in his right mind which would try to take a, a, a black-tailed deer away from a grizzly bear. Well, well, no. well, that's the main thing is Koyak's got a bad rap because they say if you shoot a deer, the bears come around. That's not true. It's, it's just you could put enough hunters out there every year. I mean, the, the bears, if they smell a carcass, they're obviously going to go to it. And yeah. some people, you know, it, some people have bumped into them. But if you realize how many people have been out there, I mean, all the years I've hunted there, I've never had a problem. Our yeah. clients very rarely, every once in a while, somebody has some kind of encounter. But leaving them out in the wilderness, even then, that's not dangerous because the, the bear won't eat it right there. The bear will just take the deer anyway. So that's not even an issue as far as being dangerous. It's, but, you know, it, there's, it does have a reputation for bears because that's the number one question sure. we're asked is the bear going to be a problem. Yeah, we, had, we saw 11 on our trip. We saw Did 11 really? bears. Yeah, and we had one that, that bluff charged us at about 10 paces. So, and the wind was coming at us. He couldn't hear us. Well, he could hear us, but he couldn't wind us. And we were looking at deer right on 7 Mile. And uh, right as he cleared right through the alders, he was right there literally at 10 paces. And we were yelling, get out of here, bear. He caught up on his hunches and he went right back oh, yeah. and, and shot back around. But well, we were we were locked and loaded, ready to go. Well, that's what I tell people. If they know you're there, if you if, if you have an animal and you're you're going somewhere and you're through the brush or you're if you're I just tell people just make lots of noise. If, yeah. they, if they know you're there, they're going to run. Yeah. Obviously, if you're dragging a blood trail, <laughs> that might be a little different. Yeah. But for yeah. the most part, they're they're uh, they're more scared of you than you are of them. You get yep. you get upwind of a bear and he gets wind of you, he's gone. I yeah. mean, in fact, I've got plenty of videos of bears they'll just be sitting there and as soon as they see a boat they're just yeah so i mean if anything bear i know because of all the years i've only hunted bears twice in all the years i didn't on kodiak and this one this made with my daughter i realized just how spooky they are it's not actually easy getting on a bear yeah we see a lot of bears every day and if they get any wind of you at all 
So, I mean, yeah, they will avoid you at every cost. Well, and that goes back to the hunting the boars, which is what you're focused on. Once they've been hunted, animals do realize that. Oh, yeah. That's the difference, though, between, like, the grizzly bears down here in the States. Nobody's hunted them in years, oh, so those things are, like, brazen. They just literally will go wherever they want because they're not used to anybody challenging them. No, well, if you're downwind, there's such a huge difference. They got such, I mean, that's, they're all, they're all about smell. Yeah. It was funny, this, this, this bear season, we were looking for a big bear, and my, my son came on for one day. He was commercial fishing. He came on for one day, so he's going to take a little sister out and help her get a bear. We come around this point, and this really big bear went over this, this little ridge. It was This point kind of went all the way, went kind of stair-stepped down to the point. And we see it was a big bear, so we're going to go around the corner and have him come right to us. We're downwind. So I go in this little beach, and I go to drop him off. And I just drifted offshore and let those guys hunt some out there. And I was just fiddling around the boat. And they looked up on the hill and they saw a bear going. They figured that was it and it wasn't what they thought. It wasn't as big as they thought, so it kept going. I looked around and I couldn't believe my see. Here's this huge bear, at least 10 foot plus. He had walked over. It was dark. And it wasn't the one they were looking at. wasn't them. He's walking right towards them. And they're on the point. And I'm waving like crazy, saying there's a bear, and they're looking, they're looking up on the hill going, yeah, we see it. It's right right there. I'm like, no, on the beach. That bear walked all the way around the point, and was from me to that guy away from me. Almost walked right into him. That's only about 20 yards at the most. I, That's wow. crazy. I finally had to yell. I had to scream. Of course, the bear looked, and they looked, and the bear took off running. But I wish I could have got that on the video. Here's this 10-foot bear walking on the beach, and they're literally going to walk right over the top of him. Well, Randy, Randy, kind of in wrapping up. So we have we have just about everything underneath the moon. So your your primary season for fishing is during the summer. Is that the yeah, best? Yeah, we we start in June. June's the best time. June, and we have salmon all summer. Like June is sockeye and kings, and then we go into July where you get you start getting cohos, and then August we have all five species of salmon in August. We have the best steelhead fish in the world in October. I mean, we've had clients catch 50 steelhead in a day and sometimes wow. in October. And is that that's the ocean? No, that's the river. River? We, wow. we fished the, the world-famous Carlick River for... So basically, there's something going on from June. We get a little bit of a break between... Uh, like the middle of September to the first part of October, we get a couple of weeks off and we go right into hunting until the middle of December. So it's a long so that, season. So that so if somebody wanted to do blacktail deer and steelhead, then the October time right. frame would be the time frame. Or to try to if, they, if they're leaning more towards it, some more priority for deer, they'd want to come in November, maybe when they're in a the rut. But instead of catching 20, 30 steel in a day, you might catch 10. Okay. So there's usually still, a trade-off there. Still a killer, and killer we do the fun time. We do the caribou mainly in October because the lakes start to freeze. We access them by float planes, so the lakes start to freeze in uh, in November, so we do that in October. That's fantastic. And now all the permits, now I know we're not talking grizzly bear, we're talking for deer and caribou. Those are basically over-the-counter permits, is that correct? Yeah, even the goats are over-the-counter. The only thing is if you're non-resident, you have to you have, have, to have a, guide. a guide. Yeah. So we do we do actually do some resident, Alaska resident for goats in our area too. But yeah, the, the deer tags are over-the-counter, the, the caribou tags are over-the-counter. Um, so yeah, it's all pretty much uh, over-the-counter except for, like I say, bear and goat. Fantastic. Very well, cool. That is awesome, man. I can't wait. I, I, you know, it's funny. We start talking again. I'm like, ah, oh, I got I to gotta, go I gotta go do it again. I'm it's ready. It's time to go back. You know? 
Well, we'd love to have you come back up, or either one of you guys can come yeah. up anytime you want. We love, you know, we have clients that come up, but we always like to have friends come up because we like to hunt too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not just all about clients. We, we're we constantly going off and doing our, our thing. I mean, there's not very there's not much pressure in the area we're at down there. So, I mean, there's lots of area down there. So, yeah. you guys are welcome to come true. up. And, and I encourage everybody to check out my daughter's show. I, I'm really proud of what she does for kids. Crimson for Kids is really a cute program to maybe check out her. Uh, yeah, we'll put that information. We'll put that information yeah, in the show Crimson notes. with a K, Crimson Crail, and she has a she has a channel on uh, YouTube. Cool. Cool. So Kodiak Charters, www.kodiak-charters.com. Yep. And Kodiak, when in, Alaska. And when in doubt, 907-481-FISH. No? no? Oh, my gosh. Terry, 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 you can't do that to me. I have to put a little black Come strip here. over that. I need, I, need you to, I need you to say the phone number into the microphone. Come here. Come here. Come here. See, I knew I'd get our sooner letter. We'll okay. get one plug. Give us the number. Our number is 907-942-4909. And for those of the you don't know, that's Terry. She'll take good care of you. The, 70, the 75%. The 75%. Yeah. 25, 75, or a quarter and three quarters. We'll call it out. Yeah, on some evenings, it's not even that. <laughs> well, Randy, we've been thanks, married Randy. for almost 40 years, so sometimes I drop below that level. <laughs> hey, we all earned our spot, and I'm sure since you were here at this show on Valentine's Day, you earned your spot, buddy. Oh, you betcha. Yep. Thanks, man. I appreciate hey, it. Thanks, Thank Randy. You guys. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Catch you later, guys. Signing off. All right. Ciao. Hey everyone, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer. <laughs>